Welcome back to Daf HaShavua. This week we're going to be learning Meseches Ksubos, Daf Chaf Vav. And our Gemara is going to jump off of a Mishnah on Daf Chaf Gimel Lamed Beis, the bottom of that Daf, where the Mishnah describes Shnei Anashim. We have a case of two men, Ze'omer Kohenani, Ze'omer Kohenani. Each one of them says, I'm a Kohen, and the other says, I'm a Kohen. So the Mishnah says, Einon Ne'emanim, that neither of these two people is going to be believed as a result of the fact and as a result of the concept of Ein Malin Likuna Al Pi Eid Echad, that we don't uh, bring somebody to a uh, status of being a Kohen based on one aid, and they're considered to be their own relative and thus disqualified to come ahead and be made in. Uh, in Beisdin. Yet, if somebody comes to Beisdin and I testify that my friend Ruvain is a Kohen, and Ruvain testifies that I'm a Kohen, so the Tanakama would say uh, that they are believed, but Rabbi Huda would come along and Rabbi Huda would say that they are not going to be believed. Now, it's interesting to note that based on this Mishnah, we do have a concept in Halacha that's referred to as Eid Echad Ne'eman Bi'isurin. The concept of Eid Echad Ne'eman Bi'isurin gives us permission to go ahead and to eat in other people's houses, that when it comes to things that are usr and things that are mutter, we can generally uh, rely on one witness to tell me if the food is kosher and they have ne'amanis, they have believability and credibility, we can go ahead and we can believe them. So the Pnei Ushu asks why we don't apply the concept of Eidecha Ne'eman surin over here. And uh, Pnei Ushu goes ahead and suggests that perhaps regarding the concept of Yuchsin, when it comes to genealogy, when it comes to tracing back uh, our roots, so there's going to be a difference. And one would not be enough. One witness would not be enough to testify about my genealogy, about my roots is suggestion number one of the Pnei Yoshua, or maybe this is not a case of regular Isurin. This is not a case of regular Isur of things that are Mutter and things that are Asur, but rather there's a lot of money involved in here. And depending on what Shevet a person comes from due to some of the Maestros that are going to be offered, some of the gifts that are going to be offered. So the Kohen uh, has some invested interests over here. And therefore uh, the uh, the concept of Erech Naman Beisurin is not going to uh, Bichal in such a situation. So the Gemara then goes, goes on to discuss a case of testimony being accepted in the form of what's, what we refer to in general in halacha as misiach lifi tumo. And the concept of misiach lifi tumo is basically, if I come to Beisdin and I testify that this guy is a Kohen, I don't, uh, I'm not asked about it and I'm not, I'm not probed about it. I'm not uh, uh, primed about it. There's no reason for me to go ahead and there's no reason for me to say that uh, this person did something that reflects his kahuna. It's simply mesiach lefitumo. It's just conversational. It's just something that's... Um, that's mentioned, uh, that's mentioned casually. So if I say that I saw him eat truma, so that implies that this particular person, uh, is going to be, uh, is going to be a, uh, is going to be a, uh, Kohen. It happens to be that there's a fascinating Rambam tucked in the 20th Perak, in Perak Chaf of so the Rambam over there in Halachi Yud Gimel describes the following. So somebody, the Rambam says that somebody that comes uh, nowadays to Beisdin and he says that I'm a Kohen, so he is not going to be believed. And we're Eino Malin, Osola Kihuna, Al Piatsmo. And based on his own testimony, says the Rambam, we're not going to uh, elevate him to the status of uh, being a Kohen, and we're not going to call him up to the Torah, we're not going to give him an Aliyah, and he's not going to be able to Duchin, and he's not going to be able to eat uh, all sorts of uh, 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 all sorts of Kudshim, because he was one uh, witness testifying about himself. But he is going to Aser himself in the realm of Gerusha, in all the different marriages that he's not allowed to, uh, that he's not allowed to, uh, that he's not allowed to participate in as a result of his testimony that he is going to be 
uh, a Kohen. But says the uh, but says the Rambam and the Rambam continues with the following words. But if he comes to Beisdin, and if he is what's called what we're referring to over here as this concept of Misiach Lefitumo, again he just casually mentions something along the fact along the lines of you know. Yesterday, when I was eating truma, or uh, I, I was in the base of Mikdash doing the avoda, so if he's just mesiach lefitumo, so then we're going to believe him uh, to, uh, to to be trustworthy that he is testifying correctly that he's going to be a uh, that he's going to be a kohen. And the Rambam actually provides an example over here where the Rambam uses the words uh, as follows: and the Rambam says Ketzad. So what's the case of uh, mesiach lefitumo? So he says that Maisa quoting the Gemara. On Daf Chavav in Mesechas Ksubos, Maisa Beachat Shayim Beislech Lefitumo Vomer Zachor Anik Shayiti Tinok Vayisi Merukav Al Ksefo Shalaviv Hotzienu Mi Beisa Sefer Vehev Shitunik Tuno Saivi Hitbilan Lachol Truma. So he writes basically a direct quote from our Gemara where they, where where a person goes and he says. I remember when my father would bring me home from school as a young child, and my father would uh, make sure that I ate truma in a state of tahara, that I would go and I would be tovel in the mikvah, and I would make sure uh, that, I was, uh, that I was purified like a Kohen does. And he says that his friends would make fun of him, would scorn him, would mock him. And basically the conversation over here of Mesech Lefitumah that the Ramam suggests is a conversation that describes this child who uh, participates in all sorts of uh, kihuna-like activity. And as a result of this participation and as a result of his testimony on a level that we refer to in Allah as Mesech Lefitumah, we are going. Uh, we are going to be uh, to believe him. He is going to be Neeman. So the Gemara then goes on to discuss other ways in which we can identify a person uh, as a kohen, and talks about what if we see these individuals eating certain foods, they're eating truma, or they're receiving mice, or they're uh, doing certain things that can testify as them being in the class of uh, of kohanim. So the Gemara goes back to a quote from the Mishnah on Daf Chaf Gimel Ahmed Bez about somebody's. Uh, going ahead and about somebody uh, describing the fact that they are uh, that they are going to be uh, a kohen based on uh, based on an eid echad, where Rabbi Yehuda told us that ain mal in the kuna and Rabbi Yehuda said that you can't be mal as somebody, you can't bring somebody up to the status of uh, being a kuhuna, of being a kohen based on the testimony of. Uh, of one person. So the Gemara goes on to discuss a concept over here that we have throughout Halacha, and a concept that we're definitely concerned about and suspicious of uh, throughout Shas, and that's the concept that's referred to in general as this concept of what's called Zilzula Debei Dina, that we're Choshesh, that the Beisdin is going to be disgraced. That if we have a case where we have somebody who comes and somebody uh, testi- testifies that they're a Kohen, and then we figure out that they're not a Kohen, and then we figure out that they are a Kohen, so they're uh, elevated to the status of Kihuna, and then they're demoted back to the status of a regular uh, of a regular Yisrael. They're going back and forth and back and forth. So we have a concept over here of what's called Zilzula de Beidina. And the concept is basically that we're nervous that the Beisdin is going to be uh, disgraced. It's going to look like it's a, it's a late sunus. It's a corrupt based in over here. They keep on switching uh, their opinions. They keep on changing their mind. And therefore, uh, we have to make sure that we don't have and we don't fall into a situation in which such a, uh, such a based in exists and such a based in uh, takes place and such testimony uh, is accepted or rejected uh, by based in. And then the Gemara goes on to describe what happens if two witnesses, like we spoke about uh, just moments ago, if two witnesses show up to based in 
together, one after the next, two teams of witnesses perhaps, and what the dinim would be uh, when these witnesses testify uh, as a unit and what we can do to uh, avoid all credibility uh, being lost. It happens to be that there's a halacha that's paskin in Choshin Mishpat, in uh, the Shulchan Aruch and Choshin Mishpat, in Simen Lamed, where the Shulchan Aruch describes that in Dine Mamanos, so even if the witnesses saw one uh, after the other uh, uh, testify, so if uh, Reuven comes along and says, I saw Shimon borrow from uh, from from David on Sunday, and Levi says, "I saw Shimon borrow from David on Monday." So their testimony can come at, can 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 go ahead. Their testimony can join together to be a full fledged edus, and that's the halacha psuka and choshing mishpat in Simon. Lamid Seif Vav, and again, all of these cases that the Gemara describes on Daf Chavav about um, about uh, all sorts of uh, testimony that we have, whether or not a person can come and testify about his status of Kahuna, about his status of a Chalala, his status vis-a-vis uh, what he's going to be allowed to eat, what he's not going to be allowed to eat, what he's going to be allowed to do, where he's going to be allowed to go, what types of gifts he's going to be allowed to receive, etc., 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 in the world of the Kahuna that exists then on the bottom of Daf Chavavam and Beis, we have a fascinating Mishnah. Mishnah that, uh, as, we'll, uh, as we'll go through this Mishnah, we'll see just, unfortunately, how applicable uh, it is, Rachmana Litzlan. The Mishnah goes on to describe a case of a woman who gets imprisoned by Ovdei Kochavim. And the Mishnah tells us that Aisha Shenichbesha Bidei Ovdei Kochavim. So if we have this woman who uh, gets imprisoned by Ovdei Kuchavim, so if she's imprisoned for some sort of uh, monetary matter, so the um, Rashi comments that that means that basically she owes money and she has to give, uh, she didn't pay enough taxes or whatever it might be. So Muteris Tabayla, the Mishnah says, that when she gets out of prison, so she's going to be Muteris Tabayla because we're not nervous that the Ovdei Kuchavim are going ahead, going to go ahead and are going to take advantage of her and are going to rape her uh, for her uh, monetary convictions over, her monetary uh, shortcomings over here. But, continues the Mishnah, if it's al nefashos, if there's some sort of capital case over here that she gets imprisoned for, so then the Mishnah says that she's going to be asura lebaila, that when she is released from prison, she's going to be asur to go back to her husband because the uh, the, uh, the ovdei kuchavim go ahead and the language that many of the Rishonim uses, they make her into a uh, hefker woman, an ownerless uh, woman, and uh, we're nervous say many of the Rishonim, we're nervous that what's going to happen is, is that in order to get free, she's going to go ahead and she's going to willingly give in to being, uh, to being, uh, to being violated. So the Gemara then goes on to discuss every clause of this Mishnah, what it's alluding to and what these, uh, what these situations and scenarios uh, actually, uh, actually mean. So there's a major Machlokas Rishonim on this Mishnah. What does it mean that she's Asura Labayla? And Rashi and Tosar Sermadayik that when the, uh, when the, uh, when the uh, Mishnah describes that she's either Muteris Labayla or Asura Labayla, so that's referring to uh, her husband, not to the Kihuna. That even if her husband uh, is, uh, even if she just is a regular husband, a regular Israel husband, so that's going to have halachic ramifications, uh, not necessarily relating to the Kihuna uh, in, uh, in, in what the Kihuna means and what the Kihuna represents. The Ramban comes along and the Ramban says, 
No, we're not choshesh for women to act like this. We're not choshesh for women to uh, be mafkir themselves. And therefore, according to the Ramban, we have a principle that the Ramban develops according to the Rashba. The Rashba uses a very similar language. And the Rashba describes the fact that kol ritzoi machmas pachad, that anybody that gives in because of fear, because of intimidation, mutterly Israel, they're able to go back and they're able... Uh, to uh, to uh, to go ahead and to marry their uh, and to marry their previous husband, then we're not choshesh for uh, for such uh, for such things. It happens to be, and we've uh, we've quoted quite a few times uh, many of the shelos and shuvos from the sefer Chashuke Chemed, the great Yitzchak Zilberstein. So on uh, in his sefer Chashuke Chemed, the bottom of page Kuf Tes Zayin one ninety nine. He brings the following uh, question from the Sefer Mima Amakim, a Sefer that we've uh, discussed at length in uh, previous Shirim. And the Sefer Mima Amakim was written by Rav Ephraim Ashri, who was the Rav of the Kovno Ghetto, some of the great Shalos and Shuvos that came from the, uh, the Holocaust. And in Chelek Aleph, Simon Chaf Zayin, so we have uh, a story, an unfortunate story, Rachman Al-Tzlan, about an Isha Achas, Tzira Liyamim, Mubas Tov Me'achas, Mishpachos Nechbados, Sheba Kovno. A very... Uh, uh, a young girl, a young woman who came from a very uh family in the city uh, of uh, in the city of Kovno, and the Shaila goes on that she comes and she uh, she's crying and she has tears all over her face, and uh, there's no way to console her. He uses the language of that she's mar right, which is a uh, play on words uh, from a lot of different areas of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of sad mourning literature that we have throughout Jewish history. And uh, she's wondering whether or not uh, she's going to be able to return to her husband. So Rav Zilberstein describes that after, the, uh, after she was freed, she actually found her husband alive and they decided that they were going to, uh, you, and I'll use the words of Rav Zilberstein because they're so incredibly beautiful. They decided together that they were going to rebuild their destroyed home. It was built Al Adne Dusha. It was built on holiness and sanctity. Karoy The way that a Jewish home should be built. Libanos Kayama, and they were going to have beautiful Jewish children. But the husband found out what happened to his wife, that she was taken captive. And he was wondering if he was able to uh, go back, if he was able to remarry her. He still uh, loves her. He still wants to have a relationship and a marriage with his, uh, with, his, uh, with his wife. Is he allowed to go ahead and is he allowed to live with her? So Zilberstein goes on and describes many of the Rishonim uh, at length, Tosvos and the Ran and the and the the the, the Rambam and Hisurebia once again in Perikut Ches Halacha Lamid about what this Mishnah uh, is actually referring to, and ultimately Rav Zilberstein quotes that based on a teaching of the great Rav Yashiv that uh, basically what uh, what we're dealing with over here is a situation uh, as follows, and Rav Yashiv describes that. Ain kan that for him to return to her to his uh, his wife, there's no violation whatsoever. Why? That the Nazis didn't discriminate. The Nazis didn't care whether or not you agreed or whether you didn't agree. The Nazis would just go ahead and do uh, whatever they wanted to do, whenever they wanted to do it. The Avira would have been done whether or not she agreed to it or whether or not she didn't agree to it. Therefore, says the Zobrist in the name of Rav Yashiv, Shallah. The low hamaisa, the imkena davar nechshav shenivala laones 
Velo Liratzon, says Rav Yashiv, and she was Nivala Ones. It was uh, something that she couldn't avoid, something that uh, that came her way, that there was no way that she was going to be able to get out of Velo Liratzon. She obviously didn't do it willingly. She didn't do it on purpose. And that's the uh, that's the, uh, the tshuva over here of Rav El Yashiv. And then there's uh, another fascinating tshuva at the bottom of that page, wondering, and this is uh, very relevant, most certainly to the uh, Parsha, Parsha Zachar that we read just a few weeks ago in advance of Purim. The question is, what happens to this woman who had... Uh, who had a, uh, a tattoo that the Nazis put on her, and uh, is she going to be required to remove that tattoo to remove the numbers that were uh, that were given to her? And in a beautiful uh, description, so uh, in a beautiful description, in Shelo Sotchuvos Mimaamakim, so Rav Ephraim Ashri presents based on Minchas Chinuch and based on uh, many of the other uh, many of the other halachic commentaries the following uh, the following idea, and he describes the fact that. Not only should you not take off that tattoo, but rather you should wear it as a sign and as a symbol of unbelievable heroism, resilience, and, uh, and strength. That the Nazis were killing people every day. A quote from the... Uh, from the Avarachimim that we say on Shabbos morning, that when you wear that uh, that tattoo, so you're describing to the world, this is what the Nazis wanted to do. They wanted to uh, abuse us. They wanted to destroy us. They wanted to annihilate us. They wanted to mock and scorn us. And he writes that, This particular sign is a, a simon of respect, for us, for our nation, for the Osolam Olam. People see it, people are gonna say there's no way that I'm going to be able to uh, to mess with the Jewish people. And therefore, based on uh, this chuva from uh, Rav Zilberstein, she should not remove the tattoo and she should uh, walk around with it as a simon, as a stamp of incredible kavod and inca- incredible givura. And he writes, just to conclude, Ke'ino razu shamanu shehora agon Rav Lazer Silver, the great Rav Lazer Silver, the Sho'alim so to people that ask Rav Lazer Silver, he responded whether or not they should take off their uh, their arms that were uh, that were tattoo- the the numbers rather on their arms that were tattooed by the Nazis. And he said absolutely not, and he said that when a person has this number on their arm, they're mekayim mitzah every day of zechiras ma'isa amalik. And uh, he goes ahead and he describes the fact that basically this uh, this idea is uh, is embedded within uh, within a Jew within a survivor that who's going to uh, watch out for us that who is going to take care of us and uh, therefore not only should she not take this tattoo off but rather she should walk around with it as a sign of tremendous uh, tremendous resilience and what comes out of this uh, discussion this piece from the Chashuk Yechemet this entirety uh, this entire uh, debate over here uh, amongst the Rishonim as to whether or not this husband should be allowed to go back to his wife should shouldn't be allowed to go back to his wife, etc., etc., etc. So uh, according to Rav Yashiv, it would be mutter, as we said. And according to the Shelo Sotchuvos Mimahamakim, it would be uh, it would be uh, noteworthy and praiseworthy for this woman to keep 
the numbers on her arm. That is the conclusion of Meseches Ksubos, Daf Chavav, the Mishnah, the bottom of Daf Chavav, before we make our way into Daf Chav Zayin and make our way through uh, Perak Ha'isha Shenis Armala here in Meseches Ksubos.